Hello, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, and I'd like to welcome you to the first podcast of As Some of You Once Were, with me, Trevor Brierley, pastor of Round Oak Baptist Church in Corbin, Virginia. Now, I want to start off with this first one and just kind of describe what we're going to do here, what's going to be going on, and why it's named As Some of You Once Were. I want to read a passage for you real quick here. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Starting in verse 9, it says this, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, the idolaters, nor adulterers, or men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. As such were some of you. And this is the good part. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And that's why I'm going to call it as some of you once were, because that's all of us. Outside of Jesus Christ, we have no hope and we were lost. We were dead in our trespasses and dead in our sins. But the God of the universe stepped into time and space and he took our penalty. He took what was rightfully ours, the pain and the suffering on the cross Jesus Christ took for us. And that's why we're going to be calling it as some of you once were, because we're going to look at over the next period of weeks and weeks here, the transition that happens from when we were dead in our sins to being alive in Jesus Christ. But over the next, I don't know, probably at least 20 to 25 weeks, we're going to be looking through the book of Romans. We're going to break this whole thing down and go over all of it. And I want to do it simply because I think it's important. I think it's important to know what we were, where we came from, and who Jesus really and truly is. So again, without further ado, we're going to get started. We're going to jump right into this. And I just want to say again, thank you for listening. And and I hope that this is a blessing to any who hear it. But as we get started, join me in prayer if you would. Father, again, we thank you for everything that you do. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would reveal new and amazing things to us. Help us to see what you have given to us. Help us to read what your text said, but not read into it so that we can get what we want. Lord, help us to, and again, understand all that you have revealed to us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will illuminate things for us so that we can know you better and be more faithful and effective witnesses in this lost and dying world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, as we look at this, uh, Romans really is one of my favorite books, probably my favorite outside of the book of Genesis. So it's a strong number two, really. I really like to teach through it. I like to preach through it because it does. It reveals so much about who Jesus really is and who we are both outside of Christ and in Christ. And that's a big difference. That's a world of difference. That's literally the the difference between life and death. But it will start off kind of slow, but it will pick up uh, drastically as we go. And it's going to be times where there's very blunt statements, and that's good, because that's what Romans is all about, and that's what we have to realize, because so far off, and we say, oh, we have to be loving, we have to do all these things, but we don't know what love is. If we're not truthful, blatantly truthful, then we don't really love them, because we don't care enough about people to tell them what the truth is. 
because the opposite of that is saying that it's okay to continue what you're doing even though it's leading you straight down the path to hell. But again, this will take a few months to get through, and we'll be in Romans for quite a while. But if we want to get to know who God is, we cannot just breeze through things. We have to take it slow. We have to look at what the scriptures are revealing to us, because that's how we can know God more and more. And if we do breeze through things, then we are doing nothing less than cheapening the word of God. And again, that's how we get bad and terrible theology, bad and terrible teaching, not to mention outright heretical ideas. And continuing the same thinking, there is some heavy stuff in Romans. Paul, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, does not pull any punches. He is not here to simply make things sound good, to make them, oh, this is a bright and happy moment. But he's telling the truth, and it hits hard. And I'll be honest, many times the truth hurts. There are many times that we are going to be going through this book, and the biggest part of it is what we see, which should be revealed to us realistically over and over, is that, yes, we are, in fact, sinners. We have sinned against a holy God, and the realization of that has to be there. But the realization also comes that there is hope. Yes, we were sinners, but in Jesus Christ there is hope and we don't have to remain there. There will be times when some of us may be upset with what is being taught here. What the Bible is revealing to us may make us angry or offend us. But again, there is hope. When we rightly teach and divide the Word of God, it will speak clearly to us. And that means that it will build us up and it will tear us down. It will offend us and it will convict us. And the point of all this is to simply worship Jesus Christ, to worship God and to know Him better. And that's what we are going to do. And we're going to start off here today with Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. A bigger section, but we're going to lump it all together because I think it goes together. And I think it, the whole opening really deserves to be there. So I'm going to read it aloud here real quick. And if you have your Bibles, which I hope that you do, follow along. Starting in verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called as an apostle and is set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his, his prophecies in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was descendant of David, according to the flesh, and was appointed to be the powerful Son of God, according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles, including you who are called by Jesus Christ, to all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints. Grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in telling the good news about his Son that I consistently mention you, always asking in my prayers that it is somehow in God's will that I may now at last succeed in coming to you. 
for I want to be Starting back in verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in telling the good news about his Son that I constantly mention you, always asking my prayers that if it is somehow in God's will that I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I want to see you very much so that I may impart some of spiritual gifts to, to strengthen you. That is, to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I often planned to come to you, but was prevented until now, in order that I might have a fruitful ministry among you, just as I have had among the rest of the Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. Just looking at mainly verse 1 through 7, this really is summing up all that truth really is, and all that we as followers claim, that any hope we have, any salvation that we claim, is all because of the good news of Jesus Christ. But this is the opening. It is a longer opening, but again, there for a reason. That we are called to be obedient. And we are to be obedient in public, which is difficult. And to be and to actually look like followers of Jesus Christ for his name's sake. And we are also to be obedient in and for other Christians as well. Helping them, building them up, and edifying each other. Which is something that, again, it's not easy to do. Then we look down a little bit lower in verse 7. Because one thing we have to remember about all of this, that when Paul was writing this, Rome was under what we like to call a Caesar cult. Caesar was looked at many times, and most of the times, especially those who had nothing else better going for them, or especially those who were not Jews or Christians. But Caesar was looked at as a god. He was worshipped, and many treated him as such. Now, many were not too upset that there was simply just another god, quote-unquote, in town. For the most part, you could worship however you wanted. It wasn't that big of a deal. The biggest thing was that Caesar had to come first. Worship, praise, and then give your allegiance to Caesar. Then, after that, you can go and worship all your other gods. You can worship whatever you want. It was a very pluralistic society. Lots and lots of different gods and different deities. It wasn't outlandish to think that there was someone else in town that could be added to the list of those who were being worshipped. Then the opening starts to close, and in typical Pauline fashion, we look at verses 8 through 12. He opens up and says this, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because the news of your faith is being reported all over the world. He starts here by giving them some encouragement. The church was already in Rome, so he's telling them that what they are doing is going well. 
keep doing it. In fact, people are hearing all over the place all that you're doing. And this is a good time for a little tidbit for you. When it says that it's being reported all over the world, we have to understand what that means. It is a way of speaking. It was not being reported to any Native Americans in the Americas. It was not being, being reported to Aborigines in Australia. The rule of hermeneutics says that we must be doing things in a certain way, that we must interpret the Bible in a certain way. It is saying that it is simply being spread all over. As in, anyone is hearing about this, they're hearing it word of mouth. And it's being spread all over the place. But anyway, for quite a few years, the gospel of Jesus Christ was not reaching very far. It was still pretty much located here in the Middle East. But just something for you to think about. About how we look at how language is used. But something to keep, again, in the back of your mind as we go throughout this study. Then in verse 9, he goes on to mention that he is praying for them. That he wants to come and he wants to help them in all that they are doing. And I think that those those are two things that we should be doing. Here today in 2023, shouldn't we be doing those things? And to be fair, I think you can take this on a as one big scale of as you as, as big of a scale as you really want to, really. I mean, if we really start to think about that, but should we not be building each other up? Should we not be pouring into each other? When someone has done something good, shouldn't we not be telling them? Should we not be encouraging them to continue on? Because for many, to set out in faith, especially for the first time, it's very scary. It's very scary to even come to some churches for the very first time. Some people are nervous about it. If they got saved through a friend, and now they want to go find a church, that can be nerve-wracking. If they feel called to do something in ministry, that can be scary when we don't have somebody in our back. Especially when we have people who are in front of us pushing us back. We should be encouraging. We should be there for them. Praying for them. And for the most part, to know that there are others around us. Followers of Christ that have our back really does help, and it can go such a long way. And then we should want to go and help others in what they're doing as well. And this is the part where you can make this as big as you really want. And if the Holy Spirit's leading you in specific to go for it, I strongly suggest you go for it. May I also add, this is not the prompting of the Holy Spirit to go and tell someone else that they should be doing something. If you have an idea, sure, go talk to your pastor. Go talk to the church leadership that you wanted to do something. But maybe it's not for them to do. Maybe it's for you to do. Maybe it's something that you should start. But again, this is the part where you can make it as big as you want. This can be anything from folding bulletins, helping in the sound booth, Serving food, 
children's church, all the way up to taking a week and serving during a camp, taking a whole week's worth of your vacation from work simply to pour into children. Or think really big and go and help those who are overseas in some hostile places. Taking the word of God into some dark places can be scary as well. But wanting to go and be with those who are serving, to take your time and to help others who are serving, it's a big deal. But I'll say this, it takes humility, real humility. It takes not thinking of yourself higher than you should be. Because it's not going and taking over. It's not fixing what they have done. It is essentially going and taking orders and simply serving. We all want to be leaders, but not all of us are called to be leaders. The vast majority of us are simply called to serve. Going to help what has already been started. And as for Paul... He wants to help teach them as well. Two things we have to remember about this. One, Paul was an apostle sent out and set apart by Jesus Christ. And neither you or I are Paul. This was the start of it all. Number two, at this time there was no Bible that they could rely on. We have to look at these two things and always keep them in mind as we're reading through this. You see, we have the Bible to look at. Remember when we looked at some other things. Remember when you've read other scripture. I think about this one. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be equipped for every good work. Yeah, they didn't have that. When Paul was writing, writing this to the Romans, they, they didn't have that. So God chose Paul to be his messenger, to establish the groundwork. And we are continuing that work here today. 2,000 years later, that happens. And we see this as we look at this in verse 12. Verse 12, he writes, That is to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. The real aspect here, the dynamic that I do think so many miss, is that this is the church being the church. Plain and simple. We are growing and becoming more mature. Followers with each other. One point, looking at Jesus Christ, side by side with other believers. We can talk about different things too. We talked about before or you've read about before. There's quite simply the church being the church, growing and becoming more mature followers with each other. One point, Jesus Christ in the center. We are encouraging each other. If you look at Ephesians chapter 2, we, we can talk about all day how it would look if, if it were by works and not by faith. The boasting and the, and the separating that would come if it were by works. Again, this is the opposite. We are not trying to one-up each other. We are to be the church. That means together, one body, many members. 
one goal, and that goal, goal is to honor Jesus Christ. Paul, an apostle sent out by Christ, is talking about encouraging others, while they are also encouraging him. This mighty apostle is wanting to be side by side with some measly little pastor. The woman who serves day in and day out. And also that one guy who has no title. Yeah, him too. And also the normal people who we tend to look over. The mighty apostle Paul wants to serve by people. He wants to serve the church. It is just the body of Christ being the body of Christ. Again, this is the church being the church. If it is not below an apostle to do these things, then I don't think that it would be below us either to do these things. To humbly serve and to just be the church. Now I want to look at verses 13 through 15. This last little section here. Paul is saying that he wanted to come sooner. He wanted to work with and teach those in Rome. But quite simply it was not meant to be. And we can take something from this as well. Look at all that had happened. Just because Paul did not go earlier. Not because he was able to earlier. The main thing to think about here is that it's not Paul's timing. It's not my timing. It's not your timing. It was God's timing. So, so often we get caught up in what we want. We get caught up in how we want it and exactly when we want it. We base too much off of our own thinking. And yet, we have a great example here. God kept Paul from going to Rome, arguably the most important city of its time. The apostle, the missionary that God set apart for the Gentiles, and by the way, it doesn't get much more Gentile than Rome, but he kept Paul from going. And I don't know why. I mean, I can speculate all day. You can speculate all day. Anybody can speculate all day. But how often do we do this? Do we, how often do we push and push for something that we are simply not to do? Or try to rush something that it is just not our time? And I want you to think about this for a second. Paul being delayed, being delayed in going to Rome, has a direct effect on what we are doing today. Because he was delayed, we got the book written to the Romans. Because he was delayed, we are able to study a epistle written to the Romans that we wouldn't have had otherwise if he just simply would have went. We get to read how God was working through Paul. How the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this. And how so many were blessed because of it. And we get one of, in my opinion, the most powerful books in the New Testament. What we have to see is that God is working. And we can rely on Him. We can trust Him. 
And if you think that you are not able to trust the God that you claim to serve, then you are flat out serving the wrong God. But Paul made a big deal about this. Paul saw this as an obligation. It was his duty to see that the gospel was preached to the Gentiles. And so he did. And he did so fervently. He did so with passion. He fully expected God to work and to do amazing things in, the, in his ministry. And again, we can and should be looking at it the exact same way. Not that everyone we talk to about Christ will be saved. We, we know that's true. We know that many will not be. And we can't look at it like this either. Not that we won't hit walls or face trials. We also know that those things will happen. But that we can trust that God is moving. That God is working in us, around us, and through us. We are called to be obedient to what He has for us. And then we leave the outcomes to God. Paul writes that he is eager to preach the gospel. And quite simply, I hope that you and I are as well. That is the end of our first session as we look through Romans chapter 1 verses 1 through 15. I hope that you got something out of it. I hope that you took some notes, maybe something that you can go back over. But again, I hope this was encouraging to you. I hope it makes you think. Again, it starts off kind of slow. But trust me, it will pick up. But again, I thank you that you would take the time to listen to this. I look forward to seeing all of you again. And I thank God that he would bless us with the technology, the abilities to be able to do so many things. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may he richly bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may he richly bless you. And have a great day.